Let's get into it then. All right. Awesome sauce. I ask that the gods and goddesses of our respective paths bless this circle so that we may be free and protected within this space. And if you have this one word, pagan or paganism. For the pagan community. Exactly. Right. The, the big umbrella. And that was fucking fantastic. Of the podcast ever. We're three pagans. Exactly. We're three pagans. And a cat. And may the works this day of be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast. Twitter is not a technology. It's a conversation. And it's happening with or without you. Welcome to Public Paganism, the 119th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of author Charlene Lee. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music. You can find more of their work at VelocityRose.com. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meet. My name is Gwen, Ode's mother. And I'm very glad you're with us this week, Carr. Yes. And that you're feeling better. No migraine. Well, I'm glad I'm feeling better. I'm not sure I'm glad I'm here, but I'm, I'm <laughs> glad I'm feeling better. I mean, I'm, I'm happy for the pride to be able to hear my voice because that's the important thing. Right. But, <laughs> oh, my uh, God. <laughs> we need a regular infusion of Carr's voice in their lives. Without it, it's like missing a daily vitamin. You just can't be healthsome if you can't hear car. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, to be fair, when I got engaged to him, I did call my mother up specifically so she could hear his sexy voice. (laughs) (laughs) At least there was one thing. (laughs) Everyone else, everyone in your lives told mom not to date you. Yep, yep. (laughs) The voice. The voice, the voice is what did it. <laughs> That's absolutely right. My friends, all of her oh, yeah. friends, all of <laughs> the best part is that all of your friends. Oh yeah, told her not yeah. To date you. all of you my friends were like, a, "No, you, you don't want to do this." Single wingman. <laughs> nope. Not at all. And my mother was like, yeah, you're right. Valid. Good choice. He has a good voice. And that was the only thing going for me at the time. Now I have a good voice and a good beard. And that's the only thing going for me. Okay, we're not going to talk about the beard. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's do housekeeping. I I love you, but not your beard. That's exactly true. But go ahead. Let's do housekeeping. Car. Oh, so on Sundays, I do this Zoom call at 2 p.m., which Mm -hmm. sometimes I show up for. Today... I showed up early for it. That's right. impressed. And it has no meaning and no anything, really. We just all show up and chat. Mm -hmm. It's a get-together. It's a get-together. It's a hangout. And then on other Tuesdays. Yes, on every other Tuesday, including this one upcoming, Mm -hmm. we do Three Pagans on Tap with myself, Sarenth Odinson of Around Grandfather Fire, and Malik Odinson. Of a bunch of stuff that Malik does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's not on a podcast other than Three Pagans Three on Pagans Tap, on which tap, is yeah. a vodcast, I guess is right, what yeah, we call it. Because it's, yeah, on, YouTube. it's on YouTube and Facebook. This week we are doing a Christmas beverages. Ooh. Yeah. Got to do some nog? So I'm not doing eggnog, but somebody else is. <laughs> How about uh, some uh, spiced mead that you can then share with your beloved wife? That is, yes, high on my list actually is, <laughs> is what we're referring to as Krampus. Ooh, it's nice. It's the uh, mulled mead. Yes. So, and then it's Gwyn, so good too. Talk about the things you do. Uh, 8 a.m. on Monday mornings. I do a guided meditation that's going to be going on through the end of December, and then that will be the end. But there, um, it's on Facebook, so there are plenty of you know past right backlog backlog archive watch. But it's about twenty minutes. It's again, it's Monday morning, eight a.m. Eastern. It's live on Facebook. Then you can catch it on our page in the group, that kind of thing. Do you also upload it to YouTube? 
when I remember. Okay, cool. <laughs> Just not that often. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do anything weekly, but currently we are doing the Yuling, which is the Pride's Secret Santa. This upcoming Tuesday, right after Carr finishes with Three Pagans on Tap, is when we are closing the Yuling entry. So you have until midnight on December 1st to enter your, your name and your information at tinyurl.com slash 3packyule. That's 3-P-A-A-C-Y-U-L-E. Enter all your information there. And then on December 2nd, you will be matched up with a partner by email. So you do have to include your email. By December 15th, your gift to your partner should be in the mail. If you cannot get a gift to your partner in the mail by December 15th, you let you need to let me know at ode at 3pagansandacat.com what's happening. Whether you're going to be unable to send something entirely or whether there's been a delay of some kind, you need to let me know what's going on so that I can make arrangements and let your partner know what's happening. Um, And this year, if you do not let me know by December 15th that there is going to be a problem with your delivery to your partner, and then there is a problem with your delivery to your partner, whether you let me know or not, uh, you will be banned from further participation in the Yuling because we've had several people flout these rules in the past and this has caused a lot of disappointment for their partners. And right. those partners do tell us. Yes, yeah, they, they need to email like, Ode. Yes, and they, and they do. Last year I got several emails from people informing me that they had not received a gift from their partner. So, like, right. you, this is not going to fly under the radar. You will be tattled on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's fair because your partner is going to the exact same mm-hmm. thing. They're, they're putting together a gift. They're mailing it and getting it to you on time. So that's why we just want to make sure that partners are actually doing their part. Exactly. And if there's some kind of issue and you can't make it happen, that's okay. Yeah. You just need to let me know by December 15th what the situation is. You know I'm going to ask. Yep. How many people do we have signed up now? 107. 107 wow. people. Yep. That is so cool. So, so that's cool. triple our first year. Yep. And I think more than double last yeah, year. Yeah, more than yeah. double last year. So Oh, that's um, so cool. And we yeah. always enjoy it when people start sharing pictures of their gifts mm-hmm. if they if they choose to yep. on yep. like in the Facebook group. In the group. Facebook group we see that. Yep. So, yeah. Or even Discord. Yep, or yeah, Discord. either place would work. It's wonderful to see you guys chit chatting about what you got mm-hmm. and, and making you know, new friends. And making yep. new friends, exactly. And then I have a couple of other things we should discuss. Yes. So on December 19th, which mm-hmm. is a Saturday, that will be our normal recording. Yes. On a Saturday, not a Sunday, at mm-hmm. 7 p.m., December 19th. Mm-hmm. And that will be a joint episode with a round grandfather fire. Yep. And it will be drunk divination. Yes. That's right. That's going to be our holiday celebration this year. Yep. That's right. Feel free to join us on that. The Discord will be open to everybody for mm-hmm. that particular episode so everybody can join if you have a question that you want asked before we actually go live you can feel free to email that to me at car at the number three pagansandacat.com on december 20th we'll Mm -hmm. be on wider circles yule night longest night of the year celebration celebration on zoom i believe Mm -hmm. and that will be us doing a explanation and ritual of mother night mother night that's right Make sure you check that out. Uh, yep, thanks we'll to... start having links for all of that stuff as soon as they're available. Yep, yep. and thanks to uh, Jack for inviting us to mm-hmm. be a part of that. And hosting that. And Yep, and hosting that. I believe also Three Pagans on Tap will be doing something on that <laughs> as well right. because we've just been hit up for that. And just so that you know, our portion is from 10 to 11 on December 20th. That's right. when we're going to be doing the Mother Night. And it's going to be talking about Mother Night and doing a ritual. Yep. yep. And the week after that... 
will be our three-year anniversary. Yes. And we still don't know what for we're which doing. we have nothing planned. And we have nothing planned <laughs> for. Yep. Again, that one will be open to everybody on Discord. That's right. So you do not have to be a hunter and above for those two episodes. Yep. You can just join us on Discord and enjoy those two episodes. It's kind of our birthday our, present our to you guys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, your Yule gift and your birthday and our birthday <laughs> present to you. <laughs> But yeah, so we're hitting year three, which is pretty incredible. I believe we'll be at about 800,000 downloads by that point. And over 120 episodes. And over 120 episodes. So holy crap. So of course we'll give you reminders, but we encourage you to start marking your calendars now. Now, yes. yes, Yep. All right, I think that's it. It's going to be a busy December. Uh, Do we have any new patrons? Oh. Oops, he forgot. (laughs) You know what? That's a dang good question. (laughs) I'm ridiculously busy, (laughs) oddly enough. So no, we don't have any new. All of that waiting, <laughs> nobody knew. All right, and now you know. <laughs> but we do want to say thank you to the patrons that we do have. We yes. love you. We appreciate you. You help us keep doing this. And of course, thank you to everyone who listens because you're all part of the pride. Yep. yep. And we did have several people upgrade their membership or go to year long gotcha. or something Just like that. But knew. yeah, but nobody yeah. knew new. Yeah. No new names. No new new. All right. Well, um, next you do episode new we'll ones? be reading. Did you do everyone. next ones? Did you do new ones last time when I wasn't here? No. In that case, we have uh, Sarah Grace, who's a hunter. Ooh, welcome, welcome Sarah, Sarah Grace. Grace. Belatedly. <laughs> so I'm glad I was here for that. <laughs> and we are now done. Yes, house kept and house swept. There we go. We are going to be talking today about sort of the the process of being a public pagan and the impact of social media and public perception on paganism and just how paganism and witchcraft have grown and sort of evolved into the main into mainstream mm-hmm. everything. I mean, it's still like a subculture, but it's a very mainstream subculture. It's kind of weird, yeah. Actually, it's like being punk. You know? Yeah, it's yeah. a mainstream sub. Like it was counterculture, and now it's not really. <laughs> That's Do you true. consider punk to be a, like a mainstream subculture now? It's not counterculture the way it used to be. No, it's really not. There are still counterculture punks. Yes. But punk is no longer counterculture. I'm not sure there even is a punk culture anymore. It seems to have waned and gone away. It, wane, it waxes and wanes. Yeah. yeah. It's at a yeah. low ebb right now. Okay, yeah. but Although we're not talking it, about punk culture right that's now. That's true, yes. yes we are <laughs> talking about, we are talking paganism, about culture. And witchcraft. It, it, it correlates. <laughs> yeah. Now, one of the reasons that we're talking about this is because mm-hmm. I actually saw yes, an article. Gwen saw, saw something, which yep. she used to tell me about. <laughs> yep. I saw an article, on, and it was uh, for November 17th, 2020. The Wild Hunt did an article called Chicago Fox Affiliate Describes Witchcraft as Quarantine Hobby. <laughs> and so, and someone did a blog post, which is how I found uh-huh, out about yeah, the Witches yeah. Hunt article that I then read. The Wild Hunt. The Wild Hunt. Or, excuse me, the Wild Hunt. <laughs> so I read both the post and I read the article, and then I watched the video of the that oh of the affiliate okay. yeah of the, the fox of the clip. fox clip. It was interesting because according to the two witches who it was who were featured, mm-hmm. their brothers who have a shop, they were contacted by Fox by this reporter. Mm-hmm. Because they were going to do it for Halloween, but then it, it didn't. They didn't, so they decided to do it on what are people doing during quarantine? And the thing that was really kind of tweaking people. <laughs> 
is that they made it seem like a joke. From, and That's not unusual. No. no. And so, yeah. and the whole thing was There like, are two modes of mainstream exploration of witchcraft, and they are mockery and scaremongering. Yeah, yeah. And so this was all like, hey, guess what people are doing in addition to scrapbooking and knitting? They're... Witchcraft! witchcraft they're <laughs> casting spells and practicing witchcraft Mm -hmm. and it was kind of that whole isn't this cute isn't this fun you know Mm -hmm. and so some people were like eh whatever whatever you know and some people were like how dare you this is my religion Mm -hmm. if somebody had said that and and taken that approach to Christianity or Islam or any other religion you wouldn't be so cutesy you know that kind of thing was going on so Mm. on the one hand Fox would never present like people are converting to Christianity as a fun quarantine thing because that's not mm-hmm. how Fox rolls. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, if someone did write like a glib article, like you'll be surprised by the number of people who are converting to Christianity mid quarantine, I would be like, yeah, I'm not surprised. People yeah. seek meaning. Mm-hmm. Right now, here's the thing, though. I will say that the the, the two young brothers who own this store they've been open for about a year Mm -hmm. and they do online classes oh my god they opened just in time for covid yes pretty much but they've been doing really well because they've right they have have like an online store and and they they do classes online and things like that they are witches they they do not practice witchcraft as a religion right so for them it's like yeah come in we'll show you how to do some witchcraft Mm -hmm. and you know yeah it can be a fun hobby but it can also be something serious you know and that kind of stuff. So that was kind of the the what their approach to witchcraft is. And so I think right. the, they have the lifestyle yeah, witchcraft they, and, approach. And and I think that's kind of where the reporter kind of skipped over some of the more serious things that the that they were saying toward the end. Right. And just kind of kept it. So this, maybe it's cute. So kind of. so in the way that news media frequently does, maybe did not accurately represent the interview. I at first I was like, okay, well they're kind of presenting themselves, and some of the things they're saying is, yeah, this is just a fun thing you can do. But then toward the end, yes, it felt like they were being, they were just kind of brushing over the more serious aspects mm-hmm. of what, and they were saying, hey, you can really make this an important part of your life. Mm-hmm. If you want to be important you know, if, part of your practice, important yeah. part of your practice, it can fit if you want to use it as a religion you or part of your religion it can fit into any religion mm-hmm. any spiritual path because it's not a religion and i was like right. okay yeah you're speaking my language here but they just breezed yeah. right over that and very glibly right yeah that's because that was the point of exactly. the reporter this is, this is normal <laughs> and, and the anchors and we're all like yeah isn't this cute you know The thing is, I don't expect mainstream media to get it. And I don't think it's fair to expect mainstream media to get it. Like, probably not their thing. Yeah. But here's the thing. is like, it was just the reason it it caught my attention and why I wanted to talk about it today Mm -hmm. is because this is just one of of many many articles, especially over the last three or four years, Mm -hmm. that have been cropping up in mainstream media um, about the growth of both paganism and witchcraft. Mm-hmm. And we've been seeing it. It started... And you do often in media see those two completely conflated as like one topic. Yes. Yes, you do. They started really talking about this in 2016. But 2018 is really when it started taking off. And I started seeing like two or three articles a year, mm-hmm. you know, started... Although that's up. not very many in the grand scheme well, of no, things. Well, no, not in the grand scheme <laughs> of things. But it started... It started... Yeah. They're saying infiltrating oh, hey. popular consciousness. Yeah, it started infiltrating popular consciousness, and people are saying, "Hey, look at the rise of mm-hmm. of witchcraft and paganism and all this kind of stuff." So I thought we would talk about it because social media has had a lot to do it's with had an the impact. growth yep. between Facebook, Twitter, 
Instagram, TikTok. <laughs> and before that, like forums, you know, and just like 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 BB code forums where people could communicate and meet people that they didn't have access to in real life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and before that, AOL and CompuServe. IRC chats. IRC yeah. chats. Yeah, people I mean, like they've been email lists. Yep. People have always Yahoo like, groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was when I was first starting out twenty years ago, I was part of what was it? M, uh, some kind of a message board. Yep. Yep. You know, first it was on a, a witchcraft site. It was an online store because mm-hmm. back then it was really hard to find anything but yeah. online stores. <laughs> and they had a message board, and so I was part of that. And then a group of us who were all new, mm-hmm. we decided to create our own little message board mm-hmm. where we could just talk together. Right. It's really been instrumental, I think. Yeah, in the sort of rapid expansion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So really, I think this is expansion toward consciousness in the mainstream where Mm -hmm. people aren't like, oh, isn't that spooky witches or whatever. It's becoming more mainstream because very slowly over time, people have been able to communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think um, I see a a lot of hand wringing these days about social media's impact on the practice. That's true. Is and it I, a good thing? Exactly. Is it a bad thing? And I think that's, there are sort of two directions that can be coming from. One of which in particular I think is really wrongheaded. The first one that I think is a problem is elitism. Because there are a lot of people who just will not accept the validity of any practice that isn't identical to theirs. There is right. that. There is that. Or that doesn't meet certain, like, quality standards mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. And, like, if your practice has been mostly developed uh, in an online culture, mm-hmm. they're not going to consider your practice valid. And so they think social media's impact on paganism or witchcraft has been entirely bad. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say when the whole you know, TikTok witches curse the sun or whatever mm-hmm. it was happened, a lot of older witches... There was a lot of drama. There yeah. was a lot of drama. I wrote a blog post about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and my question was, are, are we doing something... Are we forgetting something? Are we treating people badly? Are yes. we... You know, yeah. And Categorically, so those, yes. You know, are, are we are we missing an opportunity to teach and assist and help? It was my question. Yeah. The the other concern I see people raise uh, about social media's impact on witchcraft and paganism, and this is I think is more where you were pulling from, is a mm. concern that people who learn through online sources or in online cultures aren't getting like a good baseline grounding because there's not like a curriculum for them to follow they can just sort of stumble upon information that maybe they aren't prepared for Mm -hmm. but my feeling is that that's the exact same like if someone stumbles on a text about nuclear physics that they don't understand but they think is interesting and they'd like to pursue they can Mm -hmm. go back and find the baseline information Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no one's going to start with nuclear physics (laughs) but that said though I think in paganism witchcraft Druidry, heathenry, mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. The, paths. the paths. The paths. The paths. Nice. <laughs> I think that so much stuff is UPG anyway. Exactly. Yeah. That meh. Like I don't know. I don't know that it matters significantly. A- exactly. Where you like find where it. you start or what your trajectory is. Like as long as you get where. Like as long or, as the path is good for you. Right. Or even if you go back and don't get the quote unquote grounding mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. other people think you need. If it works for you, it works for you. Exactly. Like, it was one of our interviews we did at Convocation, at Convocation I think with Jason Mankey, where I read his book, and there was a lot of, like, baseline witchcraft stuff in there that I was unfamiliar with. I was like, yeah, this resonates. But mm-hmm. I didn't 
get that from another source. Right. It just was like, yeah, this makes sense. And it's, I, and in some cases it matched what I was already doing. And in some cases it diverged from what I was already mm-hmm. doing, but it didn't change what I was already doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Although Sarenth and the Runes class did. Yes, did. completely did. did. Right. Now, I do think we do have to remember that I think some of the older pagans or, or people who've been in the, on the practice for a while mm-hmm. uh, or following the path for a while, a lot of them, are I think, who are fussing are coming from traditions. They're coming from initiatory traditions. And initiatory traditions. Right. A lot of people online are solitaries like we are. Right. And here's my stance on that. It is completely fine to have rules for your own initiatory tradition right. and what counts as an initiate in your tradition, but you do not have the authority mm-hmm. or like or the right the right mm-hmm. to try to impose those restrictions on anyone outside your tradition. I and agree. So many people do. Yeah. I know, and I, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> I think it's really related to this because I think that's where a lot of that elitism comes from. Well, that's true. It's we- from people, especially people who are in like really rigid initiatory traditions. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with those traditions, but some of the older people in them very much have this mindset of. My way is the correct way. Mm-hmm. I was initiated into it. Mm-hmm. And anyone who's doing it a different way is not just not initiated into my way, but is doing it a wrong way. Yeah. Right. And I think you can find that there are even some solitaries who mm-hmm. who have gotten into this I this elitist idea of if you're not doing it the way I understand it, then it's wrong. Yeah. I think we see that with within the whole are you a white witch kind of thing, <laughs> you know, are you are you practicing the third the, the threefold law, the, those kind of the, things. The sort of tension between soft polytheists and hard polytheists right. where like we have incompatible belief systems. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean either of us is wrong, necessarily. Right, exactly. right? It just means we're understanding things differently. differently right. Yep. Which we've already discussed. Mm-hmm. It's okay. <laughs> Melkor said, I find there's also the stigma against new people, or no one wants to take the time to teach because they met that one edgy person. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, there's this really insular quality to, and this is something that's worth talking about that Gwyn mentioned to me at one point. That sort of the TikTok witch community, mm-hmm. sort of entirely separate from what you might consider the on the ground pagan community, mm-hmm. right? I put the Instagram and Twitter witches yeah. in there too. The people who most of their practice and how they share it and how they and their community is online mm-hmm. tends to be divorced a little bit from the kind of people who go to cons. That's right. Right. And you're starting to see more overlap there. Right, yeah. But yeah. traditionally, the people who went to cons were the people who had in-person covens. That's right. Right. Who had been initiated into traditions, who were white and well off enough that they could go to them. And right. when we did that panel, I think, at Convocation last year with Jason Mankey mm-hmm. and a bunch of other people, various ages, people who've been pagans for you know extended period of time, mm-hmm. one of the things he brought up is that there does seem to be this divide right. between paganism, pagan witches, pagans, and aesthetic witches, I think is what he called them. Yeah, which is another term. Like, if you call yourself an aesthetic witch, 100% cool, vibe with that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of pagans that I've encountered are using it in a derogatory way. Right. Well, and then you've got your self-help witches, too. You know, a lot of there's a lot of feminist witches who are using the iconography of mm-hmm. the witch as a feminist 
ideal or a self-help ideal to feel powerful Mm -hmm. and empowered, which is something that's been going on since the 60s. Exactly, and is a completely valid path. It's completely It's exactly, it's, it's, that's the same as, like, the difference between the people who view tarot as a fortune-telling device and the people who view tarot as, like, an internal reading system. Mm -hmm. You know, like, the people who are like, I read the tarot not to know what's coming up, but to know what I think about things. Yeah, yeah. As a self-interpretation tool. Yeah. You know, like, those are different ways to engage with that tool. Both are fine. There's not anything wrong with either one of them. Mm-hmm. But you you see these divides building up. And I think a lot of it, honestly, is at the feet of the, quote-unquote, traditional pagans mm-hmm. who view, and this is where I see terms like aesthetic witch used in a derogatory way, who view the people who have a predominantly online community, who are generally younger, who are often queer or disabled or people of color, mm-hmm. as like a lesser breed of right. which, right. because they don't have the same sort of formalized training and they don't go to the cons and they don't have the same community. Right. You know? they're, and they're also, some of these are some of the people who would have bought the starter witch kit from Sephora <laughs> exactly. in 2018, which honestly I thought sounded kind of interesting. I was going to do a review mm-hmm. on, on it. <laughs> But then it got all this backlash. It got all this backlash, and they decided not to do it mm-hmm. because people were like, "You're you're taking you're commodifying my- our culture as if we don't literally sell this stuff in our own stores." Right. Yeah. Speaking as someone who has uh, worked in retail and who has worked in Christian retail back in the day, mm-hmm. sure, this is not that unusual, is no. it? No, I think the difference was. Uh, and there was a huge backlash from the Christian bookstores uh, when this happened, too, is it's different for a, a group who claims that as their path selling something than in ending up in Sam's Club or Sephora or... I, I get that. But at the same time, you can find a cross anywhere. Well, yeah. But, but there was... So there was a point. So when I worked in the Christian bookstore market mm-hmm. long, long ago. Sam's Club, Costco, that kind of stuff was just kind of getting started. Walmart mm-hmm. wasn't huge yet. Mm-hmm. The mega stores the, right, were, was still, were still baby mega stores. Were still baby mega stores. <laughs> but when they started bringing in Christian books to those places mm-hmm. and they were significantly cheaper. Right. Undercutting. Um, undercutting what a Christian bookstore could afford to do based mm-hmm. on rents and that kind yeah. of stuff. You know, that became a huge issue. And now, now if you go out and you look... There are probably less Christian bookstores in the nation than there are pagan stores in the nation because that whole industry died. Or at least pre-COVID. You know, it it all went away because there was just no, I mean, there were huge chains of stores, you know, Mm -hmm. family. Yeah. Bookstores. All gone. The Southern Baptists had their own thing. Lifeway. All gone. The guy who owns Hobby Lobby used to own a Christian bookstore chain. Although now he just stocks all his Christian stuff at Hobby Lobby. (laughs) It's okay. His stores were mostly gifts anyway, so it kind of fits at Hobby Lobby. But, um, but, you know, all of those things are gone. And so there's not that same space that there used to be Mm -hmm. in the market because... Now, all of those things now just go to generalized retailers. So you're saying that this could be a similar kind of backlash from the pagan community or the witchcraft community uh, because they're seeing our own stores being undercut by stores like Sephora or Walmart or... Right, exactly. Yeah, you can find crystals and stuff. I think that would be a valid argument. It just wasn't the argument I was seeing when this blew up. No, that's not what the argument... Right. The backlash was about, like, you're stealing our culture, which... Most of that culture was already stolen from other people who actually owned it. But yeah, I can see like an economic argument for why that would be right. Yeah. Now, now, on the other hand, authors 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fucking love it. Right, yeah, because yeah. they get a lot right? more exposure. So if Mankey's book, his new Yule book... Was in Walmart. Was in Walmart, mm-hmm. he would be ecstatic because yeah. it's in freaking Walmart. That's so right. like, Whereas it's sell in a, a whole niche lot pagan store, right. much more limited exposure. Yep, exactly. So, exposure. you know, they're, they're, it's a... It's kind of a catch twenty two. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you put out a business which, a certain which amount economy, of, which right. section mm-hmm. of the economy are you trying to right. protect right. Exactly. at that point? And yep. it's it's interesting because in April the the insider, uh, April 29th, ninth, two thousand twenty, the insider did do a article about the rise of witchcraft and paganism in in the United States. And one of the things they talk about is a unique but robust economy. And, you know, that's keeping they're they're working really hard, especially during COVID, Mm -hmm. to keep that economy going. Right. Through online. And they're also talking about, you know, Zoom coven meetings. Yeah. So they're talking about the fact that in this article that social media has helped. Has helped connect people, help keep covens together whereas you know christians yeah we're going to pick on them again have been you know you gotta let us meet in our churches you know and witches are like hey zoom it baby that's true to an extent (laughs) like the last church i worked at which is god now a long time ago ago, ago, they were already on television they already streamed their services that kind of stuff so So, i mean that kind of stuff was already happening Mm -hmm. now they still want to be open but because, because, and this is the whole reason for churches having this issue, is that people don't tithe who listen online. Mm. Yeah, it's right? not actually so about the covenant, it's about the tithing. Exactly, yeah. it's about the click, so you have to actually like mouse over and click a button to yeah. tithe. Whereas in a church they tithe, the they bucket. pass you the bucket, and if you don't put something in, you're publicly shamed. Correct, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rhiannon said... Had to step away from the computer for a sec, but to me, it's always just reminded me of the interaction between elder goths and baby bats. Yeah. Because younger people never got to experience the same style of club scene, same zines, same shops, same brands, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They view younger people as straight up posers. And I so. think that's true in the punk culture too. I mean, I grew up exactly in very early punk rock in in the states anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. With some all, all the state punk is post the UK punk, <laughs> right? Right. But but you know, I grew up with like Minor Threat and, yeah. and yeah. all those bands. Um, and so to you, that's what punk looks like. And that's what punk look looks like, like. Right. right? Yeah. Right. And so. Then to see what we now term as pop punk mm-hmm. or did in the night, you know, was a, a bastardization of mm-hmm. right. what I grew of up the with. Vi- the whole point of punk. Right, yeah. So this is essentially what people are, are seeing with some of these, quote unquote, I know you don't like the word, lifestyle or aesthetic mm-hmm. uh, or I don't mind self-care the, I, witches. I don't mind the word aesthetic witch. I think it I think it actually describes something useful. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's a kind of witchcraft where it's important to you for that witchcraft to be beautiful. And mm-hmm. I think that's fine. I just, th- I think I see it used in a derogatory way. Right. Which has something to do maybe with some Puritan anti-vanity stuff left over in our mindset. Let's be, let's be frank. We all know that a lot of Christian overculture still permeates. Still seeping in. Still seeping into the brain and into the into way we practice. do things yeah. and into our practices. I don't want to be frank. I'm fine being hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so another question that we have, Owl's Purchase, does mainstreaming our paths bring new ideas or do we muddy the waters for discernment in opinion versus UPG versus cultist versus radicalism? Do you think we are holding on to the idea of back he and olden days and not move forward? Yes. Yes. So the deal with UPG is that the, the waters were always muddy the yeah. whole time. It's not like we had clearer UPG or better discernment 
in, yes, as Rabbit says, the olden days of the 70s. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, like... I think we are to forget. That is, is that, 50 years ago. Yeah, but, yeah. like, that's less than a, like, that's less than a lifetime. Modern, well, yeah. modern witchcraft and paganism and, and yeah. all of the, all of our iterations are really very new. Very, quite young. Yeah. Very young. Yeah. And, and it's not like our discernment at the beginning was better. If anything, our discernment has gotten better over time mm-hmm. as as we've had more UPG experiences, as we've compared our UPG mm-hmm. to other people, which, by the way, got so much easier with the internet. There's a whole culture on Tumblr mm-hmm. of witches discussing their UPG and sharing it with each other mm-hmm. and cross-pollinating. And that's why. And discussing, like... Oh, I don't have that experience of Loki, but these other people do, and these three other people corroborate it, but these five people over here have more my experience, and, like, that's so useful to the discernment process. Mm -hmm. And I think this is why various forms of social media Mm -hmm. and ways of communication that we have have helped all of this, all of us, move out of the shadows, if you will, Mm -hmm. and into mainstream United States... As soon as you can Google it, the the popular conscious can become aware of you. That's right. Thanks to our Tiger Solonox for introducing us to Weavers of the Web and Interfaith ATC, that's Aquarian Tabernacle Church organization, based in Lansing, Michigan. Weavers of the Web is a public Wiccan church that aims to be family-friendly, supportive, and informative with the goal of ensuring that no one ever need to be alone in their spiritual needs. Weavers is currently raising funds for the down payment on a property, which would allow them to expand their current network of resources. During social distancing, you can find them online at weaversoftheweb.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash weaversATC. Weavers is also holding regular Zoom meetings, online rituals, and Discord discussions during this time. Yep. Which... It's November and we're still in it, right? Yeah, it's not going to go away. No. Not for a while yet. No. no. Even, even with the vaccine, getting it rolled out, it's going to be at least till next year. Well, and then well, the virus well can into, always... That's what I mean, yeah. The virus can then always mutate. Mutate, anywhere. exactly. And we might be right back in the same place. Yep. It's well, hard to bring everybody down. Yeah. Well, just a little rays of sunshine over here. <laughs> oh, so... It's time for Gwen's Garden Gems. That was very lovely, honey. Thank you. You're welcome. You put a little spice on that one. Yeah, a little spice, a little bit of a glissando there at the end. I glissandoed. (laughs) He's making a little (laughs) smug face. (laughs) So, what I'm going to talk about today is chrysanthemum. Mm. Uh, Also known as mums. Most people... Yeah, but chrysanthemum sounds so much better. I know, I know. Mums the word. Mums the (laughs) word. And it is... uh, The chrysanthemum is chrysanthemum ex morifolium is its official Latin name. Mm -hmm. And it is in the same family as sunflowers, marigolds, dahlias, zinnias, and cosmos. So it's actually... There's a lot of different kinds of chrysanthemums, and it's a very large family that it belongs to. I did not realize sunflowers and dahlias were in the same family. Yeah, yeah, they actually are. Um, now, for chrysanthemum, the, they come in various colors, including orange, pink, purple, red, white, or yellow. And their leaves are kind of greenish blue. Mm. They tend to, well, not tend to, they do uh, bloom in the summer and the fall, which makes them very popular for fall arrangements, uh, arrangements and very useful for things like Samhain mm-hmm. and Mabin 
and you know on equinox for your altar and things of that nature how you grow them if you Mm -hmm. want them they do prefer full sun but they can live in partial shade they prefer loose loamy soil Mm -hmm. and uh, the pH can be neutral, so you know it doesn't have to be acidic. Just kind of a neutral pH in the in the soil. They were first cultivated in China in the 15th mm-hmm. century BCE, and they actually originally appeared kind of daisy-like. And but years of of being cross plant poll- breeding, yeah, plant breeding and cross pollination and all these different things has created multiple sizes and shapes and colors. Uh, even though you can still find some variations that still kind of look like, like a, the humble daisy. Like a primal chrysanthemum. Yes, exactly. But that's why you s- might see very, very tiny ones to these beautiful, large blooms. Big, that, fluffy boys. Yeah, big, fluffy blooms that, that go into gorgeous arrangements. They do grow anywhere between one to three feet in height and width. Wow. So when you plant chrysanthemums, leave in, space. you leave about <laughs> 18 to 36 inches apart. You're going to plant them in like in, in front of your house in a row or near other plants. You can start them as seed indoors and then plant them after the last frost. They do like well-drained, evenly moist soil. Mm-hmm. You don't want them to get, you don't want it damp. They don't like wet feet. You do want to add compost or manure once a month to the soil until they start budding. And then you stop. And then you add mulch in the fall. And these can be, if you grow them from seed, they can be perennials. Hmm. The ones that you buy in, say, a garden store mm-hmm. or at the, you know, at the... At the local Mega Mart. The local Mega Mart. Those are annuals. You want to treat those as annuals. But if you grow them from seed, you can treat them as perennials. Interesting. And what you do is you don't cut them back. You just mulch them and allow them to... Let them die oh, off. You know, let them overwinter. And then uh, in the spring, once it's warmed up and you start seeing green shoots... Then you pull off what's dead and allow the green shoots to, and to grow. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's only from seed. In magic, they are wonderful for protection and warding. Uh, they have a sun and fire association. So if you you know looking for gender, they're considered male. Mm-hmm. Um, they you can again you can use them for Samhain. Autumn equinox, maven, whatever. You can use the blooms in as part of an incense or just burn the bloom itself. You can wear them as as a garland or a crown. As a decoration. Exactly, for, for protection. Apparently the Greeks used to wear them as garland to protect them from roaming spirits. Hmm. You can also use them as house blessings because they're said to bring comfort, protection, joy and peace to your to your home as well as warding off anything you know any spirits that you don't want there and they're also said to be very nice for ancestor altars Hmm. any of the any of the colors would do the flower petals are edible so they can be used in tea and they can be used in a salad you know like something pretty for color yeah for a little color and then medicinally especially in china you know considering that's where they were were, were first domesticated domesticated, they do use them a lot in in chinese medicine and they can be used for chest pain or angina high blood pressure type 2 diabetes headache fever cold that kind of thing rabbit says i swear they assign gender to plants by flipping a coin how is a chrysanthemum (laughs) male it's because of the sun and fire associations mm. um so that's you know that's it's typical and See, i do yeah, that I, with... I do the opposite because my son is female, yeah exactly so my chrysanthemums are ladies I guess. There, there you go <laughs> and see lady mums lady, lady mums but i like them because they do they do come in these brilliant 
I mean, yes, you see white and pink and purple, right. but they're orange and red. Yeah. Chrysanthemums are just gorgeous. But anyways, that's chrysanthemums. I think they're beautiful. That's it for Quinn's Garden Gems. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice and fancy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Don't tell me. Don't tell me. <sighs> Let me live in obscurity, please. <laughs> I mean, if I really sing, then I'll be traveling the country. You all will never see me. It'll be a sad, sad time for you. We'll have to do three pagans in a cat from I'm really, like, full of it tonight. You are so full of it. Okay, cool. All right. So awesome. you're such a but, special snowflake but, there. But you know what? <laughs> We're skewering the Puritan value of vanity tonight and saying that it's bullshit. So you go ahead and All right, your there we go. Back to our discussion. Yes. Something else that I think it's maybe useful to talk about is, like, we here on Three Pagans and a Cat, are public pagans. Yes. Right, yeah. Yes. yes. Like, we're not, like, famous or anything. Mm -hmm. We're not even, like, pagan famous. But we have listeners. You all listen to us. You know us because we're pagans. I have been getting some shade from Christians for my my binding Trump post. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Seriously, I have. I've been getting shade. Yeah, I had like, to block one right. on the Facebook page who was like, was do really not suffer harassing. the rich to live. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay, that, that's a ban. <laughs> nice job that's with ban worthy. Nice job with your threats, dipshit. <laughs> right, right. Oh, my gosh. But, but yeah, we are, we are at least online. <laughs> right. And, well, and we go, we've gone to public events. Exactly. And, we've gone yeah. to cons. So we are public. And <laughs> Rabbit says we're influencers. And I guess that's, that's true. That's weird, but true. <laughs> we have a podcast. I guess that's all it takes to be an influencer now. That's right. Um, Although it's funny because I did, I not that long ago, again, mm-hmm. with this whole topic, some people were complaining about how some of the really, really young, newer witches mm-hmm. are becoming these mega influencers on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. More power um, to them. You know? Exactly. And it's like, They hey. bring fresh ideas. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. And I watched one of them, and it's like, I'm not hearing anything that's not... Yeah, anything that's not solid, solid. or at least workable. Like, exactly. Listen, the, the reason... Some of it's a little cutesy, but, you Right, know, but who cares? Who, who cares? gives a shit? If that's what resonates for them. Yeah. And the thing is, the reason these people are complaining about young witches becoming influencers is because they don't know how to become influencers themselves, or they're Ooh. not willing to put the work in to become one. <laughs> it's not actually that easy to have a podcast or a popular instagram or whatever no, like it is actually work it yeah. takes a lot of work and if you're not willing to put it in don't bitch at the the younger people who are more yep. plugged into that technology than you are who are exactly. willing to do it well like i have the the one i'm thinking of she's got like something like 18 million followers i mean it's right it's true. which is actually the sort of thing you yeah. have to actually work yeah. to get that kind of yeah. follower through instagram and twitter and youtube and she has a book which i'm reading right now because mm-hmm. i plan to and again it's one of those she is very much a lifestyle witch right and a do what feels good right. kind of witch but nothing that i I've read in that book so far it is anything is just right is like harmful, harmful. or dangerous and she even says she started out on a more traditional wiccan path it just didn't jive with her right so she moved so on she moved and on. that's what witchcraft is fucking about yeah, yeah. If it's not for you, move on. Find yeah. a new path. Don't ever be pigeonholed into bullshit. She felt like it had too many rules. Right. 
Exactly. Totally fair. And that's exactly the reason why I didn't stick with Wicca, because I felt like it was it had too many rules back in the day. A lot of good stuff just came in. Okay. So Rabbit says, young does not equal uneducated in the information age, which is absolutely true. If you're willing to look for information, you can find pretty much anything you want to know. And young people are especially good at Google Foo. Carr has a particular talent for it, which is irregular for his generation. But, like, <laughs> but... Wait, 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 wait. Did I just get called old? <laughs> yes. Shit. Baby. <laughs> but like we're middle aged. But like the generation below mine, what are they called? Gen Z. Gen Z. Yeah. yeah. Gen Z and the newer one that's below Gen Z are so plugged into information in the mm-hmm. internet. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be so much smarter than all of us by the time they're twenty. That's yeah. right. Yep. Well, and we're starting to see. What I'm liking is that we're starting to see people teaching their children. Right, because when I started witchcraft mm-hmm. twenty years ago, that was not really encouraged. It, and it would so, get you your children taken away from you. So right. I, you know, I introduced you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yep, but, but you I, didn't train me. I didn't train. And in you. fact, I asked you to teach me when I was a teenager, when I was in my early teens, and you mm-hmm. told me you couldn't. Yeah, yeah, because that was where I was coming from at the mm-hmm. time. Because I started out as a Wiccan. Yep. And in that group, they were like, you never train anybody until they're at least children. 18, yeah, exactly. even, even your own kids. You can you can uh, introduce them to the concepts, but you don't start training them in witchcraft until they're adults. Mm-hmm. And so that was the, the approach I was taking. And that's and not as if much I had to a do thing it now, anymore. Yeah, it's not as much of a thing. If I had to do it now, I would do something completely different. I would have started both you and Jackson... Younger, yeah. Younger, as and children. That, and that also is part of the reason that we don't have now, while people are looking for them, we a whole lot resources. of good resources for pagan parents. And I, I love that, that people are doing that now in a way that I didn't experience or wasn't told was okay. Mm-hmm. Now, there may have been some... some Right. People doing that. But with it their was kids. not widespread. But it was not widespread. And it wasn't necessarily encouraged, depending on who you were. And some of that from. is because of what Melkor says, which is some of them are also still of the mindset that all witchcraft needs to be secret and forbidden knowledge. Yes, that is true. We do still have and I've heard that lament mm-hmm. is that, you know, there so many of witchcraft's secrets have been leaked. <laughs> so, you know, there's no there's no mystery to y'all, the mystery y'all remember anymore. I don't personally remember, but I've seen the history of when Lady Shiva leaked uh Yeah, yeah. The the Gardnerian grimoire. Right. And there was all this shit about it. Yep, exactly. It's an opportunity. I'm not saying teach your six year old how to cast a spell. Right. But you know, start teaching them the concepts of your belief system. Or at least be open Or be open about, to answering and questions. Exactly. What what Rana says is I'm not teaching my kids anything, I'm just doing my thing. They ask questions, I tell them what I think, what grandma thinks, then ask them what they think. Yeah. Exactly. And that's a great way to do it. And I think as you as you, as that starts becoming more commonplace, you're gonna start seeing younger and younger witches and pagans. Yeah. 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 And they're yeah. gonna be just as, if not more, informed than new people coming in onto the path mm-hmm. who are adults. I think just in families, in families, this is going to start. Yeah, completely different thing. And I encourage that. I think if you know, if your kids are asking questions, they see you do and ritual. They're going to find out anyway. Exactly. The same right. way they're going to find out swear words and porn. Because yeah. it's on the internet. So why not teach them? Why not give them the benefit of your wisdom and your understanding and your path? And then let them go from there. Let them mm-hmm. figure out what they want to do. Yep. 
Yeah, and I think that's the big thing is leave the opening for them to choose their own path. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because it may not be the one you're on. Exactly. And you're going to have to be okay with that, even if it's Christianity. Exactly. Or if they go to yeah. a church, it, like if they have a friend whatever. who invites them to church and that really yeah. they really jive with that, yep. that you should also be fine with that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Rabbit said, if an eight-year-old can be Christian, they can be pagan. Exactly. Visit Birmingham's Violin Studio, where our tiger, Kirsten Gill, has been teaching violin to anyone ages seven and up for 20 years. Kristen tailors each lesson specifically to the student, since all people are unique individuals with their own learning style, rather than teaching from a singular method or method book. Kristen has a master's in violin performance and has played with professional ensembles, including Orchestra Iowa, Florida Grand Opera, Palm Beach Symphony, which I've seen, <laughs> and Arkansas Symphony Orchestra, as well as Casey and the Sunshine Band, which I've also seen, the Beach Boys, which I've also seen, and Pre-American Idol, Kelly Clarkson, who I've also seen. In person to, or? In, 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 yes, in person. in person. I've seen all those. Yep, in person. Due to social distancing, the Birmingham Violin Studio has pivoted for, for, to providing online instruction. And Kirsten is offering listeners of Three Pagans and a Cat their first two lessons free when they sign up for two months of lessons. Humble brag. From, yeah, from, from, from Id, Louis Dark, yeah, about yep. all the things you've seen. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, Ran and Grace says, I'm also just sad about how much good Greek shit we lost because of the mystery cults. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, when when you keep your shit locked down right. and mm-hmm. tradition specific, then what happens when your tradition dies out? Right. Because you lose Hello, it. Hello, Druidry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, And I, then your, your spiritual inheritors generations later are left to pick up whatever scraps you left behind. Yeah. Exactly. So I do think that's something to keep in mind when people are upset that their mm-hmm. mystery tradition is not so mysterious. But it's like if you if your coven, if your tradition dies out, what happens to that knowledge? It's gone. Yeah. Before that, Rhiannon also said, I've never understood having a completely secret thing in a religion unless it's actually dangerous. I understand the concept behind a mystery tradition. The idea is that the mystery is part of what creates the experience. Right. Right. That not knowing what you're going into puts you into a, a heightened state mm-hmm. to receive that that ritual or, or that experience or that divine connection. Yeah. Uh, I understand the concept behind it. But... At the same time, this is a flaw yeah. <laughs> of the well, mystery. Well, Rabbit has just said cries in lack of firsthand Norse mythology. God, yeah. Right? I mean, we don't even know what kind of witchcraft they practiced. That wasn't even necessarily all intentionally secret. Some of it was just lost. wiped out, and some of it was just that they had more of an oral right. tradition. Yeah. But we see secret societies today, although they're dying off slowly. But yeah, like we don't see them as The much. Masons mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. the... You know, there's a lot of them that are kind of fall into that. Rosicrucians. Rosicrucians, the Odd Fellows. Yeah. Like, I looked for an Odd Fellows Lodge here locally, and there's, like, only two left in all of Michigan. Yeah. So. It's, uh... It's harder to maintain that, I think, in an era where even privacy, much less secrecy, is uh, a whole lot harder to come by. Right. Yep. Rana said, you may have talked about this already. I was running around, but some trads are closed and they have the right to be. I don't see much difference between that and a mystery tradition. That's what I'm saying. I don't have, I don't have an ideological problem with mystery no. traditions existing. No, not at all. But or closed traditions. Exactly. And and if you break your oath to, an, to a tradition, obviously that's a problem. 
But if someone, like, independently comes up with shit that looks like your shit, Mm -hmm. too bad. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. and I I think it just depends. I I think there's a level of what you can share. I mean, there were things that I was taught by my mentor, and there was a secrecy Uh thing that went, you know, a promise. And And that's stuff you haven't shared. And that's stuff I haven't shared except with you. Mm -hmm. I've shared a few things with you, you know. And that's because I was your student. Yes, exactly. And that, you know, and that teacher is long gone. Yeah, and no nowhere longer, to be no, found. No longer and, accessible. <laughs> right, but you and still keep that. there was a lot that. of shit that I never learned, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, I mean, it, obviously it's a complicated issue, but the people who are insisting that, like, all witchcraft or all pagan traditions should stay in the dark, mm-hmm. I think are wrongheaded. Yeah. Your tradition can stay in the dark if you want it to, mm-hmm. but... Not everybody's has to, and it's right. not. There's there's nothing wrong or invalidating about a tradition that wants to be out in the open. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's anything wrong or invalidating, as we've been saying, with um, you know these witches who are sharing these beautiful altar setups, or you know sharing spells or things of that nature mm-hmm. on Instagram or TikTok or or things like that. And I, I do know that I have been in some some groups where people have not had a lot of patience with new practitioners. Mm -hmm. Part of that is there is sometimes a sense with some, not all, but some new practitioners that they don't want to put in the work and that they just want people to tell them how to do spells. And so I think that's where that... I see that. But that's that's how you learn, too. Exactly. And that's part 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 of of learning. And part of that's the same impatience you're going to see with anyone learning any new practice, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't start learning arts because you want to draw a circle 12,000 times. Right. Start learning art because you want to paint a specific vision you have in your head. But to get there, you have to draw a circle 12,000 times. Right. But you're still going to complain about the fact that you have to draw the circle 12,000 times and look for shortcuts. And, like, that's just a normal part of being a student. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think people's impatience with that is... I think that is doing everyone involved a disservice. I think a lot of people aren't good teachers. There is that. There is no segue. Oh! Stone Corner! (laughs) All right. (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about hemimorphite, or I guess I'm going to be talking about hemimorphite. We're not going to talk about about it at all. You're going to listen to me talk about it. I might say the word hemimorphite. Nope, I can't say it. (laughs) Hemimorphite, you just said it. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) Uh, So... It's got a really big engine in it? <laughs> no, it's named for the shape the crystals form in. So hemimorph is like half shape or half form in Greek. And the crystals are have an irregular asymmetry where the faces of the terminating faces of the crystal are different shapes. So one face will be blunt and one face will be sharp, which is not like singular, but is unusual. So that's mm-hmm. what hemimorphite was named for. It was actually discovered by... The guy who founded the Smithsonian? Smithson? Yeah. Him. Uh, he found... Hence uh, the name. Yeah. Well, uh, he, he found, well, hence Smithsonian, not Hemimorphite. Hemimorphite. Was, but, his but, name was not Hemimorphite Smithson. He did also discover another stone called Smithsonite, <laughs> which originally he thought Hemimorphite was just Mort Smithsonite because oh. it's it's they're both components of calamine. Gotcha. And so he thought they were the same thing and only later like recognized the distinct crystal structure of hemimorphite and was like, that's a separate thing. That's not my stone. Someone else named that one. <laughs> so uh, so that's how it, got, it became hemimorphite. <laughs> Rabbit says, at this point, Ode could just make stuff up. And I don't know enough about rocks to disprove it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Luckily for you, we can validate that Ode does their homework. I like rocks. They, they like well, rocks. You like homework. That's also true. I used to get other people's homework. I was, so here's a terrible oh, are digression. One? Are we going to go, uh, yeah. Here's a brief, a terrible get digression. Get when I was in high school, I used to do other people's vocabulary homework. But like, not for a reward, just because I liked doing vocabulary homework. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. I would go to the kids who were in grades higher than me and be like, can I have your vocab homework? And they'd be like, sure, absolutely. And I would do their vocabulary homework, and then they would hand it in. So there's a whole bunch of graduates out there from your from your uh, uh, from my high school who don't know what the fuck words are. <laughs> and it's my well, fault. I'm sure they know what words are. They just don't know what they mean. <laughs> and that's 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 my fault. I didn't even get paid for that. I did it I for know. free. I remember that. I remember that. I don't even think I discouraged you from doing that. I was like, okay. You were like, all right, whatever. <laughs> I guess that's a crime, but who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I like vocab too, so yeah. vocab and spelling, so I probably would have done the same thing if I'd thought of it. Somehow I never got called on that. <laughs> so hemimorphite, um, it can come in a lot of different forms. Occasionally you'll see it as like a, a fan formation of like fibrous or sort of stalactite-like crystals, but and, and occasionally it'll be in, in a massive form, which is just sort of like a big lump of rock. Right. Most of the time, how you'll find it is as a sort of a crust that's formed on a matrix, or like in a cavity in a stone. And it can come in several colors. Probably the most popular and the best known is really, really bright, sort of creamy blue color. It's really, really pretty. But it can also come in uh, white or clear varieties. That's what you tend to see in the fan-like crystal structures. It can be a kind of a greenish brown. Very, very rarely it can be a very, very light pink. Is it an expensive stone for people to get? No, it's very, very like widespread. You can find it all over the place. So it's easy so to it's, get a piece. It's of easy to get a piece. Kind of you're not going to find it in like morphite. Yeah, you're not. You're not going to find it in like jewelry. It's a most four point five to a five. So it's a little harder than fluorite, but it's significantly softer than quartz, and so it doesn't cut very well. You can see it cut and cabochon sometimes, but you're not going to find it in like a gemstone form. But you could the time. get a form, you could get it like You could get like a piece. specimen, yeah, of, yeah. of hemimorphite, and that would be relatively easy yeah. uh, to track down, and not terribly expensive, I don't think. Nice. Because like I said, it's, it's pretty widespread. There are lots of mines for it. Now, if you get Mexican hemimorphite, it may be more expensive because there are a couple of mines in Mexico where they find like really good high quality hemimorphite that can sometimes actually be cut properly mm. or they have larger gemstone quality specimens. But most hemimorphite that you find is in gem quality, so it's not going to be, you know, Terribly ridiculous. Expensive. Hemimorphite is also pyroelectric, which is a fun quality that some stones have where if you if you heat it, if you apply heat to the stone, it will produce electricity. Oh. Yeah. So there are a couple of stones that are pyroelectric, and I think they're neat. I think we need to get someone to do an experiment. <laughs> Go back From to our the name, I days. thought you like applied electricity and they caught on fire. No, opposite of that. Yeah, yeah. you apply heat and they produce electricity. Gotcha. Ooh. In terms of its like spiritual qualities, like I said, hemimorphite is a property of calamine. Uh, it's about 54% zinc, and it has sort of the same sort of soothing energy that you would expect from something that's a major component of calamine, which mm. uh, I don't know if people are familiar with calamine lotion. Calamine is actually... That's a, exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Calamine is actually a stone that is ground up and made into calamine lotion. For the, for which the benefit. You, which you put on like an itch. Like if you get stung or... Any kind or, of skin yeah, irritation. Yeah, any, any kind of skin irritation, you just rub some calamine lotion on it and it, yeah, that's it. 
Oh, that is pretty. It's, I want some. Yeah, it's a it's a not Carolina kind of lotion. We're looking at the heavy morphite. <laughs> yeah, the the heavy morphite is sort of a creamy sky blue color usually. Yeah, it's, it's very, very cool. pretty. Very pretty. Calamine lotion is more of a pink usually. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But but you rub it on uh, a skin irritation of some kind and it's very soothing. And mm-hmm. calamine has the, a, a similar sort of like soothing energy to it. Um, sort of boosts empathy. It's got sort of a water vibe, but like not a whole water vibe. Mm-hmm. More like a like a still water specifically. So honey, morphite is like calamine. Or no, but from it has. The same family. It's from the same family, gotcha. and it's one of the components of calamine. So gotcha. to make calamine, you have hemimorphite and a couple of other minerals so, combined that become calamine. So that's why it can be soothing. Exactly, it it brings that property with it into calamine. Um, but it also, when prompted, and only when prompted, like it's not going to just do this on its own. Um, but it can help you sort of establish boundaries encourage other people to enhance their calm oh. <laughs> right so like so like usually with these kind of stones what you're looking at is something that'll like help you center mm-hmm. and that's usually what hemimorphite will be used for is mm-hmm. to help you sort of be soothed and find your chill mm-hmm. but if you apply it properly if you ask it to do this specifically if you apply if you combine it with a few other stones uh to sort of boost that quality like a carnelian or something Mm -hmm. you can prompt it to sort of switch modes because like i said hemimorphite has this interesting quality where it has these dissimilar faces one is sharp and one is blunt Mm -hmm. um you can sort of get and it defaults to that sort of blunt or more soothing Mm -hmm. vibe but if you prompt it right you can sort of switch hemimorphite to the other mode where it doesn't exactly go on attack, but it does go on defense, like active defense, mm-hmm. and will sort of build up, help you build up barriers. And it still uses that soothing quality, mm-hmm. like I said, because it sort of brings down the ambient temperature of the room. Yeah, put it on speakerphone, and it exactly just, it just brings down the fuck down. Yeah, it just it just <laughs> brings down the tension. But so you can switch it to that more sort of active mode, I guess. Gotcha. So that's hemimorphite. I, I think like it's it. neat. I want some. I like that blue specimen that Carr showed us a picture of. So yeah, that's it for Ode Stone Corner. <laughs> um, he got all distracted. Rabbit said, oh my God, the nerd to rule all nerds about you doing other people's vocab. Listen, mm-hmm. I just... Rihanna Gray said, that just makes so much sense. It's so Ode. It's true. Which I think now becomes a t-shirt at some point. It's so owed. <laughs> just um, a bunch of rocks. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so let's get back to our topic. Yeah. The so topic at hand. Now, I think because, again, this growth that we've been seeing mm-hmm. exponentially, really, in the last 10 years especially. Yeah, we're still definitely, especially if you separate us out into actual individual yeah. factions instead of just the pagan umbrella, mm-hmm. we are still definitely minority religions and practices, mm-hmm. but... According to... The numbers are up. Yeah, according to um, a Quartz article that was published October 4th, 2018, pagans and Wiccans now number about 1.5 million in the United States. Right. So 0.4% of Americans. <laughs> like I, guess, I said, still a minority, but the numbers are up. <laughs> but here's the thing. That's people that they've been able to identify. Right, yes. And this does not necessarily include people who consider themselves, themselves witches. 
Uh, because, no, obviously it's not going to be an all-encompassing number. Right, right. But it's, that number probably is not much higher than probably that. Probably not. But I do think it's significant. That's when, you know, you saw the, this was a couple of years ago when you saw the Christians freaking out because we now outnumber the Presbyterians or the Episcopalians. Yes. One of those, one of those denominations. We outnumber one denomination. One denomination yeah. of one of, one of the lesser denominations, And they were like, oh my God, the sky is the falling. The end times the are end upon us. Nigh. You know, and here we are. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, I, I think that I think in 10 years time, we're going to continue to see this growth. Now, some people are like, oh, no, it's a fad. It's going to, you know, and it's possible that these people right. who are these, uh, you know, according to that uh, affiliate, that right, the, hobbyist affiliate the hobbyist witches <laughs> will fall away. But and that's entirely true. Uh, but there's could be just as many more who find a real spiritual path. And even the ones who, like, genuinely are just bored in quarantine looking for something to do, mm-hmm. you know, if they get something out of it, who cares? That's right. And a lot of people are coming, as we mentioned earlier, a lot of people come to witchcraft through politics and mm-hmm. through being marginalized and mm-hmm. that, that have, and through feminism. They, we saw that in the 60s. We saw that again, you know, in the, like, the 90s and yeah. into the 2000s. And it's not we're, surprising we're seeing it again now. We're seeing it again now. In fact, this started in 2016, this mm-hmm. push toward magical, magical resistance, resistance yeah. and binding Trump. And you saw a lot of people jumping on board and wanting to be part of the bind Trump. And just, I mentioned this offhand way, way earlier in the episode, but... When things are bad, people go looking for meaning. They go looking for meaning and they go looking for... This is something that those brothers mentioned, too, mm-hmm. in that report. People are, are feeling powerless. Yeah, they're looking for something that lets them feel in like control. they have yeah, like they have some control over their lives and over the situation. Exactly. They have some control. They, they can do something for themselves, for their family, for their loved ones. It's empowering. It's witchcraft empowering. and lots of strains of paganism are empowering. And that's Very. kind of the point of witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I think that, you know, people, especially people who get, you know, like that dude who, you know, death to which, you know, quoting scripture at me, uh, <laughs> they, they get so hung up in their, in their religious fear. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that we do need to be, to be reminded of. This is our freedom here in the United States. Right. Especially as white witches. You know, we have a lot more freedom, a lot more things that we don't have to be as scared of. Lots of privilege. Lots of privilege. And I'm not dismissing people who live in parts of the country where, yes, you have to be in the closet because it is not safe emotionally or Or economically or physically to be a witch. But I also think we need to remember that we have a tremendous amount of privilege and that we can even claim the word witch Mm. when over in places like Africa and other... Not all of Africa. Not No, but, but... Various countries, yeah. there are people who are being accused of witchcraft who are being put to death, you know, or, so. Or just, like, killed by vigilante. Well, we do need to, I think, personally, I think it's a great time to be a, a witch or a pagan. Right. Um, I think we should celebrate that and not, you know, let people get all twisted up about it, you know, being online or open or whatever. But I think we do also have to remember it's it's a huge privilege. And this is something Gwen and I talked about a little bit when we started talking about doing this episode, is that in America in particular, I don't know so much about the, the UK and Europe, but in America in particular, there is a quality of a very familiar feeling persecution complex among some witches. Yeah, there is. A particular strain of whom we'll talk about the burning times in the Salem witch trials as if they happened last week. Mm-hmm. And could happen again next week. 
And that's just not the case for most of us. No, it's not. There may be some there may be some issues with family or right. workplace or things like that. But you're very unlikely to be publicly burned in the town square. I think some of that, that persecution complex, which in some cases I do think comes from a real anxiety. Yes, absolutely. But in some cases is also just coming from, in America, we like underdogs. Mm -hmm. And so it feels good sometimes to be an underdog. Well, I mean, you you see that a lot in the church, you know, Mm -hmm. again, hear me picking on Christians, but you know, I was a Christian, so... You, you know it well. <laughs> I know it well. But you see a lot of that. You know, the war on Christmas. We're going to start seeing that gearing up. You know, people... There's this this complex, I think, just in general. If you feel like you're part of the... A marginalized a community. A marginalized community, there, there, does this, there is this tendency to think... Or, we're more correctly, because if you're in an actively marginalized community, yes. you, you are at risk of yes. various kinds of persecution. Yes. But if you're in a formerly marginalized community... Mm-hmm. Like Christianity, which mm. is now the major world the religion. major world religion. That persecution complex has a lot less to hang its hooks on. Because we do have a lot of privilege here. And we have talked about the fact that people are in the broom closet for a reason. Right. And, and, many, and we are not... not we're uh, not rolling that back. Rolling that there back. There are abs... Like, if you are not open about being a pagan or a witch because it's not safe for you, 100% legit. Yeah. Go back, listen to some of our, our old episodes where we tell you how to lie better. Exactly. <laughs> because there are some areas of the country that are very Christian, mm-hmm. very conservative, and... And uh, exactly the same way that there are still some places, for sure, where being queer will get you killed, yep. there are still some places where being a witch will get you killed. We're talking about people who have this martyr complex. Yeah. <laughs> This, this idea that people are out to get you. It's a kind of a paranoia. Rabbit says, and this I think is probably what it comes down to, if you've gone from being 100% in control to 95% in control, it probably does feel like persecution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like when, like, what was that store we used to go to? When we used to go to the, the local, like, discount grocery food store. Right. grocery store, right. they play Christian music in there. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't enjoy it. Yep. But they're not doing it to persecute me. Well, I can't right. tell you how many times I was I went in there not thinking because I'm a, I, I'm out and proud yeah. in my life. I wear my pentacles. I wear my crystals. I don't care where I'm shopping. Can't tell you how many times I went into that establishment mm-hmm. with a with pentacle, your pentacle or my crystals or whatever, or wearing and, your hex the patriarchy shirt or yeah, whatever. I yeah, I did. I went in there wearing hex, and not a single person yeah. said anything. I got a little side eyed from yeah. a couple of older. But folks, that's not persecution. No, <laughs> like, no. Nobody can, and we're talking, we lived at this point in teeny tiny, teeny tiny town that was very Christian, mm-hmm. and the store was owned by Christians, and, and they played Christian music over played, the loudspeakers. And I, and... not a word, I, I shopped at that store for a year, Yeah, and not a word was said to me by anyone. Just a little side eye, that was about it. <laughs> yep. And if that's your uh, metric for persecution, you maybe need to recalibrate. Mm-hmm. Join our Tiger Crystal at Apothecary Teas. This shop produces fragrant, aesthetically beautiful teas that delight all the senses with handcrafted tea blends from white to red to green. This week, consider Moon Goddess, a white tea blended with jasmine and white peppercorn. Find them at apothecaryteastore.com or on Facebook at Apothecary Teas, LLC. Ooh, Moon Goddess sounds delightful. Mm-hmm. Gonna have to get some of that. Yeah, I'm interested in the jasmine peppercorn. Yeah, for sure. Combo. Very nice. Okay, but now it's, it's time for Cars Feast Table. Cars Feast Table. 
So I thought you weren't gonna laugh this time. I was. I tried really <laughs> hard happens. not to, but never happens. So Car's feast table this week is a super easy recipe because I decided to look up the top recipes uh, via social media in 2020. The quarantine recipes. <laughs> right. The quarantine recipes. The true hobbies of That's 2020. Right. Let's all face it, it's baking. Every, everyone <laughs> learned to bake during quarantine. Everyone learned to fucking bake. I baked so much during quarantine. All right. So this is super easy. It's cloud bread. Ooh. There you go. Which is basically baked meringue. <laughs> Amazing. So uh, egg whites. You need three egg whites. Or, if you're really smart, you just go out and buy the carton of egg whites, and you need about six tablespoons of it to make three large egg whites. Or you have them delivered to you during Right, yep. Yes. Um, And then you need two and a half tablespoons of sugar and one tablespoon of cornstarch. Oh. And then you can add any kind of food coloring, um, and you can add flavors to it, Uh right? So you can flavor this as well. So you add the eggs to a very clean, grease-free bowl. You whip them until they're medium low, uh, frothy, and pale, and so kind not, of have peaks in okay, them. Okay, so they are yep. the, the peak stage. Yep, and then a you're gonna peaky. then you're gonna stir in the sugar, a little bit of a time on high. And is that granulated sugar? Yes, that is just regular old sugar, sugar. All right. Um, until the sugar dissolves and the egg whites start to foam, foam instead of being frothy, they'll foam. Mm. Then you're gonna add your cornstarch. I'd suggest sifting it in. I realize it's only a tablespoon, but it you makes don't a want lumps. Yeah, just a yeah. big clump yep. of cornstarch yep. corn in there. That'd be gross. Yeah. Yep. And then you take a rubber spatula, shape it like a cloud, stick it in your microwave, and you bake it um, at 350 for 10 minutes. In your microwave? I'm sorry, in your oven. Okay. I was going to say. I was going to say, I don't know if we wow. can set our microwave to 350. So, yeah, you bake it in your oven to 350 <laughs> for 10 minutes. Now, when you after you've added the cornstarch, do you have to get it to a peak stage? Nope. It's, no. It should already be at a peak stage okay. by the time you add the cornstarch. The, so, you're the just folding front, it in, basically. You, got the well, you said okay. you can add colors and flavors. How much Correct. do you add so that you don't you know, dissolve the peaks? Well, you're going to have to learn that on your own. You just kind of experiment? Just, yep. Yeah, it's yep. probably going to depend on okay. what what flavors and knowing how this how a meringue works i would not recommend a lot uh, no but i would two. put them in like before you whip them right yeah so that they're already in there Rhiannon gray says i got so unreasonably mad when that first blew up because i made meringues for people before who completely shit on them but all of a sudden fucking cloud bread is a thing and they love it it's the same thing <laughs> it is very true it is just a baked meringue <laughs> but they gave uh, it a fancy name that's right. Well, and that makes all a, the difference. It had a fancy name. It was known as a Pavlova. Ah! But, and then someone deconstructed the fancy <laughs> right, yeah, name. Exactly. And made it more Cloud more memeable. Right. The thing is, since it's a since it is a Pavlova, essentially, right. you can put stuff on it like yeah. fruit or yep. kiwi slices or whatever. Kiwi sli- yep, or whatever. Exactly. And make it delicious. Yeah. It's, so it's not really bread necessarily. No, it's, it's a, not. It's a it's dessert. A, it's a dessert. It's a meringue. <laughs> yep. It's Pavlov. <laughs> yes. Pavlova. Pavlova is about, uh, is actually a person. Yeah. Pavlov. No. We, okay, we got Pavlov talking yep. going pa- on here. Pavlov is the, the bells. Yep. I assume he didn't invent meringues as well. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. That would, be, that would be an interesting side gig for him. You never know. Gone from training bells to making baked uh, meringue. Rhiannon says, mine were melty snowmen with faces and scarves and everything. Aww. Rabbit oh, says, Pavlova is a ballerina. That is also correct, but also it is a 
the person who invented based dessert. <laughs> well, Rhiannon, we and it was actually named after Anna Pavlova. Ah, okay. Aha, named the after dancer. the ballerina. Okay, yep. so we appreciate you you making Pavlova, Rhiannon, and just make it again. Snowman meringues. Yeah, just make it again and call it cloud bread and tell them to fuck <laughs> off if they don't like it. <laughs> you should have told them that to begin with anyway. That's right. Yep. They don't appreciate a dessert gift. What the fuck is wrong with them, frankly? That's right. Yep. Good. You did. I'm glad good. you did. Good. Yep. Good. All right. <laughs> All right. So that's it for this yes. episode. Yes. If you yes. want to find out about everything we could talk about. more information about three pagans and a cat, you all know what you can do. You Google it. Mm-hmm. It's Google. the number three, pagans and a cat. Where you'll find us on all the social medias. <laughs> All yep. of the social medias, we are there. I'm not actually on most of them, but we are. Sometimes collectively. they're... Well, let's face it, sometimes they're updated, sometimes they're not. <laughs> but we are all, all we are on all the mm-hmm. social medias, mm-hmm. including TikTok. I'm on TikTok. Right, right. Gwyn 3-Pack is, is me on, on TikTok. Where you post a lot of videos of the cat. I no. haven't recently, <laughs> but I do I do like readings. Or we I are not on Tumblr. Videos. I'm no, on Tumblr no. personally. Yeah, I mean, I have a personal Tumblr. I have a personal I'm Tumblr. I'm not linking that. We are not on Tumblr as three pagans. No. Not a cat. No, nope. true. No, you have to like be able to blog regularly and have a backlog for Tumblr. Yeah. <laughs> but Gwen does have a blog blog on Patheos. I do. So you can go to Patheos Pagan, and it's three pagans and a cat on Patheos Pagan. Mm-hmm. Which, oddly enough, comes up on the first page when you Google us. It does. Yep. Yeah. Car would get off his behind. <laughs> He's supposed to be doing a post. Well, I bruised my coccyx, so it's hard. <laughs> We ended this episode. Can I just yeah, stop? Yes, you can. All right, fine. Bye. Bye. Whatever. <laughs> Quit talking. I'm not talking. Don't. You're talking. I'm not talking. You're talking. <laughs>